Hi, and welcome to Research Talks, a podcast series that explores how research is making an impact on people and policies, with a focus on the how, brought to you by the International Food Policy Research Institute, IFPRI. I'm your host, Sivan Yusuf. In this episode, we're talking about research being done right in the middle of one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world, the civil war in Yemen. What's the best way of helping the millions of people impacted by intense fighting and conflict? Would it involve giving them cash? People are really happy now that they have this evidence that the cash transfers worked so well and they're being expanded. I think in in part due to the fact that we were able to to show that, which is a rarity in in a conflict situation. That is Ifpri's Sikandra Kurdi, a research fellow who works in Yemen. So I am based out of the Egypt office, and most of my work is in the MENA, Middle East, North Africa region, especially related to uh, social protection and child nutrition. In 2013, Sikandra was working on her PhD at the University of California, Berkeley. So I actually got involved in work in Yemen originally um, during my PhD. I had been interested in studying Arabic because I enjoy studying languages and I ended up um, going back and forth to Yemen a number of times during my, my PhD. I fell in love with the country and got started kind of working on uh, social protection issues there and kind of got a, a lot of my fieldwork background. In 2014, a semi-governmental organization called the Social Fund for Development got support from international donors to run a pilot program targeting child malnutrition. There is a very high rate of child malnutrition in Yemen, and that's kind of been the case for for a long time. Yemen's been a, a poor country for most of the 20th century, although in ancient history, it was 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 quite wealthy, but there's uh, a lot of uh, especially uh, stunting. So there had been interest in doing something to uh, reduce child malnutrition, and the model that they were going to take is uh, kind of a combination of uh, cash transfers with the behavioral change training. So on the one hand, it's like a conditional cash transfer setup where they're going to give people cash, but in return for meeting some conditions. And in this case, the condition was that households were required to attend uh, nutritional training sessions on a monthly basis. The women who are receiving the cash uh, would go to these meetings uh, in the community where they would uh, listen to a discussion about some topics related to child feeding or sanitation, the importance of treating water, the importance of uh, exclusive breastfeeding, uh, early initiation of breastfeeding. And the pilot was being implemented where in the country? It's in uh, El Hodeida. So this was the governorate which had the highest rates of, of poverty and highest rates of child malnutrition. Um, but it was projected to eventually be used in other parts of the country as well. So it was implemented in uh, three specific districts in El Hodeida Governorate. This is uh, right on the Red Sea. The Social Fund for Development figured out a clever way to run its pilot integrated nutrition intervention. They piggybacked off of the Social Welfare Fund, which is the largest social protection program in Yemen. The women who were already getting social welfare funds, which were essentially cash transfers, were randomly selected to participate in the pilot. So this was kind of like an extra top-up 
for women who are already getting some very small level of cash transfers in this much larger national program. But this was intended to be really targeted specifically at women with young children under two years old. And that in addition to giving them that extra cash, it was also going to give them the training on and awareness about better care for, for their children. Sikandra, still doing her PhD, helped the Social Fund for Development design a questionnaire and randomize the intervention. In December of 2014, she and her colleagues collected baseline data for the pilot. And then, the next month, the pilot program launched. But 2015 would turn out to be an historic year for Yemen. The UN envoy warning that Yemen is at, quote, the edge of civil war. But at the, at the time, we didn't feel anything. I just I told my colleagues, hey, I got this notification that they were going to evacuate me. They think that it's not safe for uh, U.S. citizens here anymore. And they were saying, yeah, but uh, they've been seeing this kind of warning for a long time and nothing has really changed. We know Yemen's always unstable. Um, but then shortly after I came back, yeah, they, the airstrike started. And it's exploded into a, a hot, hot war, hot, hot conflict with the airstrikes and involvement of kind of external political actors also. Yemen was suddenly in a full-on civil war between the North and the South, with involvement from a range of regional actors. But what did all of this mean for the pilot nutrition program? At the beginning, we're kind of uh, optimistic. Maybe it's just going to last a few months. Um, it drags on. It gets worse. By the end of 2015, the Social Fund for Development no longer has any funding because of the rules for donors about transferring funds to countries in current conflict. One of the actually inspiring stories here is that the people in the Social Fund for Development kept showing up to work. They weren't receiving paychecks for, for months, and they kept the programs going in the hope that kind of the, the conflict would end and the donors would come back. The conflict didn't end, but, but the donors did come back, and they, they recognized that the Social Fund for Development was working on the ground and uh, the program was still happening. They were still doing even some of these nutritional training sessions. Because of this break in external donor funding, in 2016, the Social Fund for Development wasn't able to continue actually giving the cash transfers. So they paused the program for nine months. In October of 2016, it came back and was expanded. By this time, Sikandra had finished her PhD and had joined IFPRI. When I joined IFPRI, this was after the conflict had started, I w was thinking, okay, I'm going to move on to, to working in kind of maybe in another, another country where there's no ongoing uh, conflict because things have become really difficult in Yemen. So it actually turned out that, that I was still in touch with um, my colleagues at the Social Fund for Development. And they let me know that the, the program that had been a pilot when we were designing this evaluation had now been expanded into this much larger program, not only in Hodeida, but it, this, this model was being used um, in a lot of other governorates um, as part of the humanitarian response to the civil war. The expanded program, now called the Cash for Nutrition program, had to adjust for the new reality of protracted civil war. When the pilot was designed, it, it was much more kind of in the standard uh, design of, of conditional cash transfer programs. And they had kind of lists about if you miss so many meetings, then your transfer will get cut off. 
And, and these are the things that, in the context of the civil war, ended up being considerably softened. Um, nobody was actually going and verifying that the women had uh, completed all of these obligations before they gave them the cash. That, that was really kind of a reflection of the rea- reality on the ground, um, is that they know it wasn't the women's fault that uh, in the conflict, uh, situ- conflict situation where there's concerns about security, some women were in- internally d- displaced. Uh, they are moving to live with relatives in other areas because of the, the danger. The Social Fund for Development was still interested in an evaluation of this now expanded program. The original three districts where the pilot program had run had not been expanded. The pilot had just kept running. So Sikandra and her colleagues were able to interview more or less the same 2,000 women to record any changes in their situation. We waited a couple months and they weren't able to to go to the fields because of the, the complications of the conflict situation. And this is all collected through the, um, the smartphone. So we were able to see the data as it was co- uh, coming in, even though it was remotely and kind of being in close touch with the people in the field as they were collecting the data. So, I mean, we were getting photos coming back from the field of, of the children who were malnourished and the babies and, and the enumerators themselves were, were really kind of worried and I mean the, the enumerators were bringing are, are more from kind of like middle, middle class families and hadn't seen how bad the conditions were so they were sending us a lot of photos and donating their own, their own money and kind of asking us what, 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 what else can, can we do now so it's the situation was, was really bad. Even with all these hardships the enumerators from the Social Fund for Development were able to finish collecting data for the impact evaluation. And the results were very hopeful. What we found in terms of the impacts was that the cash transfers are really effective. We're not sure what to what degree it's the cash transfers themselves, to what degree it's the nutritional training. What's probably it's a combination of the two of them because that, that package, according to other research, seems to be really important. And there's some definite synergies. You have to both have the knowledge and have the, the means to apply it. So what we find is that that package intervention is increasing uh, child uh, dietary diversity uh, very significantly, and it's uh, decreasing the probability that uh, children have been diagnosed with malnutrition in the past year. It's also uh, increasing consumption of uh, non-staple foods by the family. Non-staple foods are milk, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. In particular, uh, foods that they would have to buy in cash for families getting the, the cash transfers and the training. And that actually translated into even uh, increases in, in height for age for the children who had been at the most uh, critical age during the period of receiving the transfers. Were the markets still functioning in those rural areas under conflict? Yes. So we collected data from the markets and we see that the, the availability of, of food was was pretty good at the times that we were collecting data. Of course, kind of during very acute periods of the conflict when we weren't out there collecting data, there were probably price increases and, and, and issues with supply. Um, but I think it's important for people to, to realize is that when you hear somebody say, okay, it's a civil war that's been ongoing for five years, it doesn't mean that for five years everybody is locked down in, in their homes and terrified. The people are, are, are terrified at the beginning, but then life goes on. There is a wartime economy. It's obviously a lot more inefficient. There's a lot of poverty. 
but markets are, are active. And I think that was a, a big lesson from this impact evaluation is that there has been skepticism about the idea that cash transfers can work in, in humanitarian settings and conflict settings because people are worried that there might not be active markets. But in fact, in these kind of protracted conflict settings, you have to look at the, the specific context, but it's not impossible to do this type of intervention. Has the project lended any insights on how nutrition interventions can work under humanitarian contexts? There is a few lessons that we got from kind of discussions with the the Social Fund for Development about how they were able to adapt the program during the conflict. The fact that they were using locally trained women was was important. Not, I mean, firstly, it's important just because I think it helps to transmit the message better. If it's from somebody who who understands the kind of local culture and beliefs about childcare. But also it meant that uh, it was much more resilient to the, the conflict because the, the women kept working. And they kept working even if they weren't being paid. Because they, they were local there, they felt responsible for their communities. And people are really happy now that they have this evidence that the cash transfers worked so well and they're being expanded. I think in, in part due to the fact that we were able to, to show that, which is a rarity in, in a conflict situation. Do you have any other um, lessons that you could share for other researchers trying to carry out work in conflict settings? So it's, I mean, it's not a lesson that can be applied um, once a country is already in conflict, but just the, the general importance of kind of longstanding trusting relationships with our implementing partners. I think it's important all the time, but especially in the case that it becomes suddenly difficult for whatever reason to travel to the country, either in, in a conflict situation or what we've seen now with the, the COVID-19 situation where suddenly the travel becomes much more difficult. It's hard to start kind of new partnerships by Zoom and Skype, but if you have a established relationship, then you have kind of the, the ability to, to keep that, that contact going. And there's a lot of things that can be done remotely, but the initial meeting people and, and building up a trust and explaining the importance of evaluation and research informing policy, a lot of that has to be done as groundwork that you do kind of a few years earlier, and then you get your results later. Thanks so much to Sikandra Kurdi for her time. To learn more about IFPRI's work and the Social Fund for Development's work in Yemen, you can go to the IFPRI homepage, ifpri.org, and type in Yemen cash transfers in the search box. It will lead you to so many interesting resources on this project and more. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts so you don't miss a single episode of Research Talks from IFPRI. Till next time.